Hey, this is Amin Anjadani, and you're listening to The People Podcast. Welcome on in to episode 38 of The People Podcast. The star of this week's episode is Amin Anjadani, who is the co-founder and chief development officer of Bomani. Bomani is the best hard coffee in the world, but the story of how it was made is even better. If you haven't tried Bomani before, you are in luck because the People Podcast is doing a Bomani giveaway. Check out the link in the episode description to see how you can win. So, how did three friends quit their jobs in finance and build a beverage brand that's getting bigger and bigger each day? Well, you're about to find out. I mean, I'm so happy to have you on the show. How's it going? Going great, man. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's kind of kick things off with how you got started in this whole world of coffee. Growing up, I know your parents owned multiple coffee shops in the Bay Area. So was working with coffee something you always envisioned? Uh, you know, funny enough, no. Um, yeah, my, my parents owned numerous coffee shops in the Bay Area. I grew up around coffee. I have a really deep affinity for, for coffee in general. But um, no, I really didn't think that in the long run um, I would end up in the coffee industry. Uh, but it's, it's pretty serendipitous how it all came full circle. What about when you first got introduced to actual coffee? When did you have your first sip and what was your initial impression? <laughs> Good question. So uh, I think I was like four years old uh, I was, or five years old. I was at the coffee shop um, and I insisted that I wanted to try coffee for the first time because all of my dad's employees were like high school students uh, or, you know, college students. And I wanted to be just like them. And so he brewed me maybe the strongest, you know, like darkest, blackest cup of coffee that you possibly could. Uh, had me sit down at a, at, a, at a table as though I was a customer, brought it over, and they all kind of stood, stood back as I took my first sip. And I've been told that uh, I insisted that I never wanted to have coffee again just because it was so disgusting. But things have definitely changed for the better. Um, and now I have a, a love affair with coffee. I drink it every day. Well, it's funny to hear you say that because I was reading on the Bomani website that you prefer your coffee like diesel out of an oil drum, which I interpret as yeah. no cream, no sugar, no gimmicks. So it seems like that first cup of coffee really set the tone for you. Yeah, exactly. Um, really did. Uh, I, I enjoy very complex, intense coffees. Um, I don't really like adding anything to it, although I think a well-executed like cappuccino or um, you know, latte is, is also enjoyable. Absolutely. Well, now let's talk about Bomani. You founded the company with two other friends, Sam and Kai. But before you guys did all of that, what were the three of you doing? So I was working uh, in asset management at a company called BlackRock uh, out in New York. Sam and Kai were both uh, at two different investment banks, respectively. Um, but we were all living out in New York uh, after graduating from college. Sam went to USC. Kai went to Cal. I went to Chapman University. Um, and we had this kind of shared interest in going out to New York City, um, putting ourselves outside of our comfort zones, really pushing ourselves to uh, experience something very different than California. And um, in doing so, we met each other uh, out there basically through various social groups and settings. So um, we were all working in finance. You know, Friday nights would come around. We're still 22, 23 years old, wanting to go out in the city. And 
um, we met because we had so many mutual friends just due to the fact that we were all going to relatively similar schools uh, from similar areas and we shared similar interests. So that's really how it all started. So you meet them, but you got to put this thing together. Now, what was it that initially sparked you guys to quit your jobs and start Bomani? Yeah. So um, basically, like because of my family's involvement in coffee, I was the one in the group who had the proper like espresso machine and, you know, pour over coffee stuff at my apartment. So on Friday nights or Saturday nights, everyone would come over. And like as we were getting ready, I would be making shots of espresso for everyone. We would actually chase like our tequila with espresso for the sake of kind of waking ourselves up um, while we pre-gamed before going out. And in doing so, Sam kind of realized like, wait a minute, you know, if, if hard seltzer could figure out how to make literal seltzer water, just, you know, uh, boozy and taste like seltzer water, I'm sure we could figure out a way to make uh, alcohol infused cold brew coffee and combine two of people's favorite things in a way that was particularly healthier, tastier, and more convenient than other alternatives or options on the market, like mixing an energy drink with uh, hard alcohol or um, even going out to ask for an espresso martini, which is cumbersome, annoying for the bartender, and expensive. So we pretty much from like, you know, we, we basically quit our jobs in, in February of 2019 and for an entire year spent that period of time building out the infrastructure for the business, creating opportunities for scale, sourcing ingredients, finding manufacturers, retailers, distributors that would pick up the product um, and building out our initial team. And then we launched with our first cases on shelves in March of 2020, about two weeks before the shelter in place orders first went into place, not realizing kind of what that effect that would have on the, on the company. But fortunately it's been nothing but growth and, and success since. So we're now in, you know, a globally core mandated item for every whole food store in California, Nevada, Arizona, and New York, but really anywhere that we would want to go distribute whole foods would pick us up, um, which is amazing because that only occurred because we, you know, got into our initial whole food stores and just succeeded through really hard work, but also just passionate consumption from our fan base. Um, but we're in, you know, some of the Kroger banners now, including Ralph's in Southern California, bars, clubs, restaurants, sports stadiums. So, um, yeah, it turns out people really like alcohol and cheese cultures. That's an amazing process. And you guys were ahead of the curve because nowadays, you know, you go out to get drinks. Everybody is drinking espresso martinis like that is the go to drink nowadays. So it's cool to hear you guys were kind of ahead of it on that. Um, What about I was reading on your website that there was the first time you had a white claw. You were in Lake Tahoe. You had it for the first time and something had clicked that, you know, you touched on it a little bit, but. If hard seltzer could do it, you guys could do it with that. How were you guys able to use the White Claw influence and, I don't know, just infrastructure yeah. to kind of use that for Bomani as well? Well, you know, I think it was part of our, like, naivete was, like, our, our strength because, um, you know, so many people in the industry, when we came up with the idea, told us this is impossible. There is – we literally did a feasibility study with one of our uh, – manufacturers and they were like there's a one percent chance that this becomes commercially viable um it's too difficult shelf stable coffee is way too hard to come by um you know the manufacturing process is incredibly complex the supply chain is long and and you know challenging so there was a lot of negativity um but 
when we had tried White Claw, we were impressed by the fact that the product was allowing the seltzer and the flavors of the fruit to come through more than the alcohol, which in, in, you know, historically when you're drinking alcoholic beverages, it's the alcohol first. Right. And I think that was the big consumption shift or like the big, like, uh, change was that for once a non beer wine or spirit product just tasted like the non alcohol version of itself, but still gave you the benefit of getting a buzz. And we were like, okay, if we could take the base alcohol that exists in White Claw that allows the fruit flavors to shine, something like coffee, which is much stronger, should theoretically be much less complex to put together. Turns out it is infinitely more complex, which is part of the reason why you don't see so many hard coffees on the market. Um, because it is, it's just a very, there's high barriers to entry. Um, but it was truly that base alcohol. It, it's called sugar brew. So it, it's effectively raw sugar cane, but brewed like beer with no barley, malt, hops, or grains added to it. So imagine like a fermented vodka. So there's no distillation that happens. That basically allows for a really smooth, round, flavorless, odorless alcohol base that offers the opportunity for the coffee or whatever you're blending with it to cut the shine, um, which is kind of how we made Bomani taste the way that it does, which is just like normal coffee. Yeah, it tastes delicious. And I just got to say first, I love that you were told that you guys had a 1% chance of making this commercially viable. And you pretty much said, screw you and made it happen anyways. That is so cool. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. Yeah, that's actually a true story. It was, uh, we had a pretty like rough day after they told us that, but I think it, it speaks to the resolve of our team and the current company culture that like, you know, no is just a not right now. It's not a no indefinitely. Um, and that there's tons of opportunity and rejection. Um, and actually we look back on our business all the time when, you know, when we think about the inflection points that have resulted in some of our greatest successes, oftentimes in the moment we thought that like the world was coming to an end because somebody told us no or rejected us or, you know, a crisis occurred. And then in those moments, our team's ability to like make lemonade out of lemons has really been the theme of, of how we become so successful and where we are today. Yeah. It sounds like quite the process. And part of that is getting to the actual like final product. I was reading that you had tried over 50 iterations of Bomani before deciding on the final concoction. What was the difference in all these different versions of the drink and how long did that entire process take? Yeah. Um, so it was a month long process. Um, it, uh, the differences were really in like, you know, how strong does the coffee, you know, taste? Are we adding sugar? Are we adding alternative sugars? Are we adding cream? Are we adding alt milks? Are we, you know, how high is the alcohol content? Where is the coffee being sourced from? What's the blending process? How long are we cold brewing? There's so many variables that go into every beverage you consume. And I think that process really opened our eyes to just how specific we needed to be with the liquid that we created so that everyone could enjoy it, whether they like their coffee with cream and sugar or they like their coffee the way that I like my coffee. We wanted to create something that was sessionable, light, refreshing, uh, and then also customizable. Um, one thing that we didn't like about other alternatives on the market was that they already came with cream, sugar, 
an alternative or, or synthetic ingredients added to it. We wanted really just coffee that you could add cream and sugar to, that you could make into a cocktail, that you could enjoy just straight up over ice. So from an iteration perspective, it was like, you know, the first version was nearly undrinkable. I mean, it was, it was terrible. But when they presented it to us, we were like, okay, this is disgusting, but it's possible. Like we can, we can absolutely make changes and shift this thing to get it to the point where this is going to taste really, really good. And every iteration, you changed like one thing. So it was like the first round, they sent us something that had like almost 30 grams of sugar in it. And we were like, this is, first off, we asked for no sugar. How did you mess this up so badly? This is impotable. And the next round, it was like, okay, now we have no sugar what do we need to change next? And then what do we need to change next? And every time we tested, we tested with a group of people, we got their feedback. We went to people we didn't know in particular because we didn't want their like implicit biases to influence the way that we made our decisions. And yeah, eventually I think it was like 90 or 98 total iterations that we went through before finally accepting that like, you know what, this is as good as it's going to get. Wow, that is a long, long journey to get to where you guys are now. I'm really curious about that first one you drank that you said was pretty much undrinkable because it tasted so bad. Um, I, I got to yep. imagine, you know, it was kind of fun at that time, though, because you were able to see like there's still a lot of work ahead and you can build off that. Um, but I was also reading that um, you knew you had the right product when your parents tasted it and they loved it. So can you take me back to that moment and describe what it meant to you to get your parents blessing on that yeah absolutely so um, obviously they are very discerning critical coffee drinkers and so you know we had everyone at my house we had the entire team here and uh it was so funny they're like all sitting around we're all holding our breath and we really told them like let us have it you know tell us exactly what you think and the both of them you know drank it and they were like this is shockingly good and it's funny because I think that was the first time that we had had that reaction of like, you come in with very low expectations because I think so many people have had such bad versions of, of coffee and alcohol in the past that they come in thinking like, really, like, what is it going to, is it going to be a stout? Is it going to be a coffee beer? Is it going to be sugar bomb? Is it going to be, you know, really alcoholic? And then they taste it and they go, whoa, you know, I can pick out the complexities and the nuances of the coffee. I don't really taste the alcohol at all. Um, it's incredibly smooth. It's clean. There isn't any sugar in it. I could totally see myself customizing this and hearing all those feelings come to life from them and all their approval of it was really what um, got us so excited and had us feeling like, look, if these guys like it, anyone is going to like it. I love that. Well, you got the approval from your family and you guys just took off from there. And, you know, speaking of family, like myself, you come from a Persian family and I know your Persian roots influenced the name of the drink. What was the naming process yep. like and how did you decide on Bomani? Yeah. So, uh, Sam, my other co-founder is also Persian. Um, and when Sam, Kai and myself were initially working on Bomani and it was just a project, you know, the three of us had these crazy hours uh, working in finance in New York and we would come home super late at night. And in like the late night hours when we were working on this thing together, we felt this deep sense of passion and purpose that we weren't feeling in our normal jobs. Like I was more awake at two in the morning when I was working on Bomani than I was 
in the office during the day because I just didn't feel that same sense of motivation or, or passion or ownership. And so we described that feeling as having discovered our true sense of purpose. And in doing so, we were like, well, wouldn't it be nice to name, to give the company a name that relates to purpose? And so, as you know, in Farsi, Balma'ani means like with meaning or purpose. Um, and so we loosely translated it into Bomani so that it was easy to pronounce, harmonic, clean. And uh, that's kind of where the name comes from. Awesome. It's a perfect name for a perfect product. And now you, Sam and Kai are all co-founders of this amazing product, but you specifically serve as the company's chief development officer. What exactly does that entail? And what does a typical workday look like for you? Yeah. Um, so really all things like consumer facing um, is, is what I'm handling. So product development, brand development, digital marketing, uh, um, you know, bars, clubs, restaurants, hospitality, anywhere you can drink the product on premises um, is my kind of area of expertise. Um, my job is really to develop the passionate consumer base and like the, the total market opportunity for Bomani within our core market um, and also create really consistent purchasing habits, velocity um, and flow for the product. So, um, a typical day is, I mean, my, my first calls are normally very early in the morning. I'm typically up at around like six, six thirty, Um, and I'm working nonstop until, you know, 10 or even 11 at night, most nights. Um, normally the morning is, is a lot of internal calls, catching up, uh, management of our internal sales team, um, conversations with various, uh, hospitality partners, um, the early afternoon is typically related to like marketing. So coordinating photo shoots, video shoots, events, um, and then um, any sort of design tweaks that we might be making to the packaging. And then later in the afternoon, um, typically every single day, everyone on our team, so our executives all the way down to our salespeople does a demo at their like local grocery stores. So, you know, right now I'm in Northern California. I'll go hit one of however many whole food stores there are in the East Bay area, North Bay area, San Francisco. Um, and for about three hours, you're there like introducing the product, sampling the product to potential consumers and creating passionate customers. So everyone on our team does that. Um, we are all like very motivated by that. I think uh, everyone's competitive. We're all trying to outsell each other. Um, but it's the best way to create consumers who actually have like a feeling of connectivity to your brand. Um, and it's also a great way to show support to our retail partners like Whole Foods, um, who have done so amazingly by us. So, um, yeah, that's a normal day. That's it, There's a lot of variability. Like on any given day, I might be traveling to a different market. I might be, you know, driving out to a warehouse. I might be doing a production day. Like there's a ton of stuff. So, um, but that's about as consistent as it gets. Yeah, that sounds like a very, uh, you know, all hands on deck operation. And it also sounds like you're the one responsible for getting Bomani at uh, the local bar down the street for me. So I got to thank you for doing that because that's where I first <laughs> tried it. <laughs> um, Amazing. Wait, which one was it? La Roca's Corner uh, in North Beach. Oh, my God. Yeah, I love it, dude. Great, great spot. Uh, my brother uh, is our sales rep for all of Northern California, and he worked really hard to pick up uh, accounts like La Roca's. 
Awesome. Yeah, they are big on Irish coffees. Um, so I, I think the espresso martini that they introduced with Bomani was just like a perfect fit for them. So yeah, great work on getting it in there. Um, what about this one? I mean, for those that dream of quitting their jobs and building an awesome brand with their friends, what's a piece of advice you could give to young entrepreneurs like yourself? I think that the, the biggest thing that holds people back is themselves. It's like the mentality that... Um, someone else has already done it or, uh, Oh, this is going to be too hard. Look, no one's going to do it for you. You've got to be the one to do it. So if, if you've got an idea, you're, you're passionate about something and it, it doesn't feel like work, you need to just take that risk and go for it. Because I think the thing that motivated us the most was the fear that if we didn't just take the leap and do it, that one day we'd look back and regret that decision. And I think being motivated by passion for the product, by the feeling that we were creating something that would benefit people significantly and add value to their lives, made it a lot easier for us to just go, we're taking the leap, we're jumping in. I also don't think that it's ever too late to start. Um, like, as long as you're motivated and you're willing to, to really commit to something, good things will come. Um, so, it's, it's all about you. You got to be the one to take that first step. And the first step is the hardest one. I'm inspired, man. It's a great story of believing in yourself, perseverance, hard work. You guys have really built this up beautifully. And you, Sam and Kai, have done so much already. But when you look ahead, what do you think is next for you in the Bomani brand? Well, I mean, really, as it stands right now, we're trying to become ubiquitous with hard coffees. So we want to be kind of that, that brand that people sit down and go, hey, can I get a Bomani? And the account goes, oh, unfortunately, we don't have Bomani, but we have this other hard coffee brand, right? Um, we want to become the Kleenex, the Uber, the Snapchat of hard coffee, um, the Coca-Cola of hard coffee, and make it so that people are so connected to our brand that they're not only drinking because they love the product, but they also just love like the mission behind what we're doing. So um, our goal is just to become really good stewards of the product and and uh have fun while we're doing it awesome well i think you guys are well on your way to achieving that and i want to say thank you so much i mean for taking the time to join the show i loved hearing about your story would love to reconnect sometime in the future and uh as a fellow persian i got two words for you mashallah and merci <laughs> I absolutely loved my chat with Amin this week. And I'm not just saying that because he's a fellow Persian. He has a unique story of creativity, hard work, perseverance, and that's a story I always want to hear. But that's a wrap on episode 38. Make sure to check back next Wednesday for another installment of The People Podcast.